welcome to How You Spend Your Days. The goal of this show is to explore debt, break down the stigma around talking about money, and share my own journey of becoming debt-free. My name is Colin Loretz, and this week I am joined by CJ Avila. Uh, CJ is also a software developer, and we've had quite a few conversations about the topics on this show, so I decided it was finally time to get him on the mic. Uh, Welcome, CJ. Thanks for having me on, Colin. Uh, so last week we skipped an episode. Um, I really just didn't want to kind of throw a quick, you know, last minute episode out there. And in lieu of that episode, I shared an infographic, um, from USA Today money about spending on non-essential categories. And I think we'll get into this specifically with like you and your family and how, um, spending happens, uh, in your life. But I thought it was pretty interesting, mostly because, this me sharing this was the thing that I got the most responses to Mm -hmm. um, since doing the show. Um, And I think sharing just the image was a little bit of a disservice to kind of what USA Today was trying to put out there. Um, And we'll go into it just a little bit here, but essentially the, the, the infographic was stating that Americans spend about $18,000 a year on non-essential items uh, and to quickly run through some of those, um, that included uh, things like subscription boxes and cable, uh, restaurant meals, drinks, takeout and delivery, buying lunch, uh, impulse purchases, online shopping, uh, ride shares, and personal grooming. Um, so what do, you, what do you think about those kind of categories? I mean, I think... That the person, wh- whoever wrote this article, I, I'm curious where they got the definition of non-essential from. Um, and I think that was kind of the theme too of the comments that you received is some people were arguing specific categories and kind of talking about how that was or was not essential to them. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, personally, a lot of these things seem really essential. Other things do seem non-essential. And I think it, it's probably very a very personal decision, you know, like Definitely. how how essential these are. Yeah. And essentially, I mean, when you, we looked at this before the show and there's an actual full article about this that does much better service to the survey. And so there was a survey commissioned by a company called Ladder um, that basically found that there was about uh, $1,500 or so um, a month being spent on non-essential things. And that, again, like you said, it really depends on your personal preference. And we've talked about this in the past, spend money on the things that you care about and ruthlessly cut things that don't. And Mm -hmm. then you don't need to worry about it. We're not trying uh, to police what you're spending money on. But I think that was the big criticism was that people were seeing this as USA Today, shaming people for what they're spending money on. Uh, Maybe there's a little bit of a guilty like complex going on there where you just feel like maybe I probably shouldn't be spending as much money as I do. Uh, and a little bit of, you know, putting your head in the sand and just not wanting to realize it. And in some cases, if you don't have debt and you don't have any specific thing you're saving for, then what is not essential and what you're spending your money on is going to be very different than someone who's trying to get out of consumer debt or get rid of student loans and things like that too. Yeah. I mean, there's a section in the article too, where they talk about how they're not using their money for more important things, but that the, the paragraph there really bothered me because, um, it says as part of the poll that Americans can't afford retirement. They can't afford to pay credit cards. They can't afford car loans. And so, um, 
this poll seems to suggest that folks are spending their money frivolously, maybe, mm-hmm. on these non-essential categories. But then on the back end, they're not able to afford um, certain more important things that are, you know, being deemed important by the article. Right. Um, but yeah, so I think part of it that bothered me was the word can't. Like, if you can spend money on these non-essentials, then you 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 have the money. You are able to afford the essential important things. Right. But it's like more of a decision. Yeah, and depending on your, uh, I guess, money philosophy, if you're doing these things after you have paid yourself first, then then it's not an issue. But if you haven't, like if you have a uh, an employer match 401k and things like that, and you haven't been you know, exercising that to its fullest, or you haven't put aside an emergency fund, or you haven't paid off, you know, high interest debt and those kinds of things, then those arguably, you know, you might be able to look at some of these categories that they deemed non-essential and just say like, what are these, do I really not care about? Mm -hmm. And what are these, do I want to keep? Like for me, I'm not going to be getting rid of my cable because that's my internet. Right. But I don't have subscription boxes. Uh, We were talking about personal grooming. That's one that a lot of people feel is a part of their, you know, mental and physical wellness. And that's fine. But again, ratchet down those other areas that aren't important. If going out to eat and buying drinks and things like that's not important, then look at those and figure out how can you funnel some of that money towards savings and those kinds of things. Because um, definitely the more, what's the more concerning stat is that one in two Americans can't pull together $400 at a moment's notice. Right. And so if that's the case, that means that there isn't an emergency fund uh, you know, or some sort of way of being able to fund an emergency like that. Yeah. One of the things I'm so excited about your podcast, Colin, is that you're helping, you know, shed some light on ways that people might be able to reprioritize or kind of take a look at their finances and giving them tools to do this. So yeah. I appreciate very, it. Very I mean, good. for me, it was, uh, this has been like 10 years of me living with my head in the sand. And so, uh, you know, it's not me trying to shed light on it for other people. It's also shedding light on how I spend and how my own behaviors are, are need a little bit of tuning. And, and once I do get out of debt, I need to figure out what, where are those energies going to get focused to, right? And mm-hmm. so that they don't become just frivolous spending or, you know, just as like a celebration of being out of debt, just start spending money in other places. <laughs> I don't think it will. I think some of these behaviors that I've learned are not going to make me swing in that direction. But um, so something that we both uh, really enjoy and one of the biggest uh, inspirations for me to start this show were accountability podcasts. Uh, and one that we both used to listen to is called uh, Giant Robots Smashing Into Other Giant Robots, um, which are two developers that used to talk about the projects they were working on. Um, what kinds of things have you kind of learned from the podcast like that? Or why do you like shows like that? Yeah, I think they're, uh, number one, they're like really entertaining. Um, and uh, so it's it's fun to follow along the stories of, of the folks. And similarly, it's been fun to follow you uh, in your, in your journey here too. Um, but I also usually enjoy taking away like a couple of nuggets of information, you know, from each of those podcasts. And so I've definitely learned a few things from each of these and, um, yeah, uh, I can tell how, um, you know, you've been inspired by this accountability thing. And I also, it seems to be really powerful and working for you to kind of put yourself out there and hold, (laughs) have your audience hold you accountable for, uh, getting out of debt, which seems like a really big task if you're solo and you're not like able to talk to other people about it or share kind of your journey. 
Um, yeah. And when I talk about these shows, um, so like now the two that I mostly listen to are Build Your SaaS and uh, Art of Product. Um, and I'll put links to these in the show notes. But really, I mean, a lot of people get turned off to the idea of listening to two people talking about work. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are trying to create your own side business, which we'll talk about in a second, or uh, just wanting to be inspired by other people doing ambitious things, especially when they're going to be, you know, experiencing the trials and tribulations that you can learn from, mm-hmm. they're going to be doing things that they're going to learn what works and what doesn't work. And yeah, that might not play out exactly for you the same way. But at least you get to learn. Uh, and I think the important thing is for us to not just listen and be on the sidelines, but also to take those learnings and try to like put them into practice and actually make the leap of starting your own thing or starting your own show. Because um, I think I think that that's very motivating. Um, so we'll definitely put that in the in the show notes. Um, but let's jump into um, you and your family and kind of how your, what your philosophy is around money. Uh, we've talked about this a lot. You've showed me some of your spreadsheets that you have. We're not going to do a full accounting of spreadsheets in audio form. Um, but I think some of the things that are a priority to you, um, the things that you focus on are expressed in those spreadsheets. So, you know, if you could sum it up, what is your own philosophy around money and, and how does that play out in your day to day? Yeah. So I think the, at the very, very highest level, the, my philosophy is don't spend more than what you make. Um, and, uh, also along with that, you know, pay yourself first. So make sure that you've got a little bit that automatically is being, uh, invested in yourself for the long term. Um, the spreadsheets are a really interesting way to kind of like slice and chop the data around our financial life. And so we've kind of broken it up into a few different categories. Um, we track all of our household expenses related to, um, you know, our home wh- where we have uh, my wife, myself, and two young boys. And uh, we also track, you know, in detail how much we're spending on childcare. So what are the tuition costs for their schools? What are, um, you know, babysitters? How much does it cost for their swimming lessons and things like that? Um, and then we also track sort of um, the equity in our home and our income. So we can, you know, chart how that looks over time. And uh, the, yeah, so one of the goals of the spreadsheets is to not make sure to make sure that we don't miss any payments on anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts and, you know, a small family. And so, um, that's part of it. The other part of it too, is just kind of keeping a pulse on, um, where we're at financially. And so, um, one thing that we have tried, so we tried a couple different things to, uh, like manage money as a family. One of those is um, budgeting using mint. So we tried that for a while. Um, the theme around our like approach to money is always like iterating mm-hmm. and trying to find something that's working in the moment for our lifestyle at that time. And so we, we did um, pretty successfully budget with mint for, I would say like four or five months. And that worked really well. It was a little bit onerous because you have to go in there and categorize all of these different expenses. Right. Um, but uh so we did that for a while. It was really good. It was really grounding and showed us where money was kind of like leaking out into maybe what we considered non-essential areas. Uh, and then most recently we've, uh, inspired by the, um, listen, money, listen, money matters podcast. We, um, printed out a spreadsheet that is a paper spreadsheet that is, you know, on the fridge with a magnet and it shows, um, 
a column for what you spent money on, a column for the date and a column for the the amount. Gotcha. And you like every time that you spend money, anytime that anyone in the house spends money, they just go and write that on the on the the board and it definitely makes you think twice before spending something <laughs> because you're like, "Oh man, if I'm going to buy this like pack of gum or something, like I have to go put that on the the right. refrigerator." And so um that was helpful and just kind of like uh making us think more about what we're spending money on. Um so yeah, that's kind of how uh how we we manage money as a family. Um I'm generally the the one who kind of runs the finances. Um Nicole j- is a little bit more um interested in like very specific categories, so she works really hard and does a good job of making sure that the the finances for around our groceries and our health spending. So like vitamins and making sure that we're going to doctor's appointments and Mm -hmm. things like that, that all of those things have been well thought out. And she also, um, is I'm, I'm so, so fortunate that she (laughs) is, uh, the person who deals with the like health insurance. Um, so, uh, she's kind of managing all of, all of that, you know, part of our financial life. And then I kind of, go through and pay all the bills and move the money between the different accounts and make sure that, um, you know, credit cards are being paid off and that, uh, you know, money is going into the right retirement accounts and mortgages are getting paid, et cetera. So gotcha. that's kind of how we split up. Nice. Yeah. So you have your own little spheres of influence there, which is nice. Yeah. And it's, kind of, we, I don't know, we kind of fell into that like very, very early in our relationship. So we've been married nine years and we created a checking account called wedding checking that we started putting money into when we were saving for our wedding and we haven't renamed it. And it's just stayed like <laughs> a shared checking account that we use for like everything. It's pretty funny. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's just, that's kind of uh, what works for us. Do you guys still maintain separate checking accounts today? We don't. Um, yeah, over time we've kind of just, uh, we are both very mindful of the fact that like the money that comes into the household is this shared right. amount of money and the money that's going out is for the good of the entire family. And so the decisions that we make are always uh, tempered with like, is this a good financial decision for our family? Mm-hmm. And so even if it's like, you know, I want a new computer or she wants a piano, like right. those types of things are still tempered with like, okay, if I have a computer, then maybe I can work, you know, uh, more successfully. And if we have a piano, maybe that's like enriching the lives of the kids and Nicole. And so, um, right. And being able to document those as, as goals to, to strive towards, if that's something that you can't do, you know, uh, today, maybe planning for it, whether it's a trip or a piano or whatever that might be. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and to go back to your, your refrigerator sheet, uh, and the mint setup, I found uh, also that like writing everything down made it more real. Like even though Mint makes you categorize things, which is still blows me away that with as much data as they have, they can't figure out how to categorize things. But the act of writing it down, the the place, the thing, and the dollar amount every single time you do it, mm-hmm. whether it's on their fridge or for me, you know, it would just still be my own private journal, right? So writing it down in in a bullet journal or something makes it more real, so that you get a sense of what you're actually spending money on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm sure, I mean, like I've done on the show, you end up creating your own list of, this is where all my money's going. Do I like what I see? Mm-hmm. If I don't, you know, if, if it happens that I'm spending more than I'm making or I'm not paying myself first, that's where you need to kind of look at those checklists. And I think um, 
maybe going through what what it means to pay yourself first is is probably helpful like what does that mean for you in terms of you know is that funding retirement accounts and paying into savings before you pay anything else or what does that look like yep exactly so um let's see i think for me initially when i first started making money and getting a paycheck this was like very very early you know 17 18 um i would as soon as I got the paycheck, move a little bit of money into savings. And at that point, I don't think it really meant as much as it means now to me. But like, um, that act, I think built a, a habit. Definitely. Where now, like every single time that I get paid, it's auto deducted. So I have a chunk that goes into savings and a chunk that goes into a retirement account. And, um, that's just kind of, always happening. It's automatic and it's set up so that I don't have to think about it anymore. But, um, I think that it's really, really important to do because even if, um, you know, I guess it comes down to those, the things that you would consider non-essential, right. And also your lifestyle swelling into the area that it can, right. Or expanding into whatever your means are. And so by paying yourself, you are making a conscious decision at the time that you get paid that you are going to invest in yourself and you're going to save some money so mm-hmm. that your your means moving forward from that point are a little bit smaller and so your lifestyle expands into a smaller area. And so maybe if you get paid $100 and you put 40 away in savings, that's your now you mentally are able to spend $60 instead of mentally being able to spend $100 and so right. f- for me that was like a really um I don't know, a really valuable and powerful trick. Um, so yeah, that's, yeah, that's kind of my, my uh, system around pay yourself first. Yeah. And to go back to the USA Today article, that idea that, uh, you know, as you start to make more money, I imagine those categories start to swell. They're not going to magically just stay at that average number. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so being able to carve out something for yourself first, pay off your bills, and then you have that safe to spend money or in some past episodes like Catherine, um, she would pay herself a certain amount each day that mm. she was allowed to spend on whatever she wanted. And if that was lunch, that's fine. If it was to go out to drinks, that's fine. It's just, here's the allocation that I have for each month. And and if I use it all in one week, then maybe I just don't do things next weekend or whatever that might be. Yeah. Um, and so that way, I mean, it keeps it so that you're conscious about it and it's not unconscious and just being, you know, accumulated into mint or some, some app or something like that. Yeah. It seems like there's a couple different ways to do it. Like one way would be, um, you know, intentionally and mindfully pay yourself your money for those non-essentials. So like, okay, I'm going to take out 300 bucks cash and put it in an envelope and then use that envelope throughout the month. Mm-hmm. I think that's really good. And then the second way is like, you're paying yourself. yourself. Exactly. <laughs> yes, totally. Just like stash it away and not, yeah. try not to think about it, you know? Yeah. And some people also think about this as uh, establishing a new zero or a new baseline, right? Is mm-hmm. that zero should not be zero. Right. It should be whatever zero plus your emergency savings plus whatever these other numbers are so that, you know, when you hit that, oh, I guess I can't do any more fun things anymore. That doesn't mean you're out of money. Mm-hmm. That means you just are done with your non-essential spending. And that should mean that there is food in the house and, you know, other things to do. There's lots of, we've talked about it ad nauseum about (laughs) things that we could do for free. Um, (laughs) But um, so how does that translate? I guess, as you start to, uh, to raise two kids, how does that translate for you in terms of how you're teaching your kids about money and, uh, and what their outlook is about money today? Yeah. So we're still, early days. I mean, uh, the boys are four and six, so we're still kind of experimenting with different, um, 
different things, but right now we are using a system inspired by the Zen Founder podcast. Um, and so each of the boys have three tubs that they like were able to decorate. And the tubs are for uh, saving, spending, and sharing. So they they have three different pots of money. And then we pay them, we just give them money on a weekly basis. And it's not like in exchange for chores. It's just like a weekly allowance that they get. It's usually just, you know, it's almost always under a dollar in, mm-hmm. in coins. Um, <laughs> and so they, um, part of the, part of the deal is that when they get paid, they have to take their money and they have to put at least a little bit in each of the three buckets. So they are starting to learn that like, okay, stashing away, um, that stashing away habit. And mm-hmm. then, um, the, yeah, so saving is generally like saving for bigger things. So, okay, maybe we're going to go on a trip in the end of, at the end of the year. So now you should start considering the money that you're putting in your save jar as money that you might end up using at the end of the year. So for a four-year-old, a year seems like, you know, forever. yeah, forever for now. <laughs> Their retirement. Exactly. And so, <laughs> um, yeah. And then in the spend jar, they can, they can use that for whatever they want. And we, we are very intentional about not limiting what they can spend it on. Mm-hmm. And so, um, my son Logan, the first time that he went out and spent his money, we were at, um, Target and he picked out, this uh, little costume. It was like a dog headband with like ears and a tail. <laughs> and it it was in, it, it cost like the entire spin jar. I was like, Oh, this is going to be great. Cause he's going to play with it for like one hour or something or like five minutes and then throw it away and never want to use it again. It's going to, cause I, I want them to experience that, like spending all your money, buying something that you don't really use very much. And then being sad that you spent your money. Right. I, I would rather them encounter that now when they're four, six, eight, whatever, 10, then down the road. But unfortunately, they sort of backfired. <laughs> and he, he wears, just loves it. He thing. loves it. He like wears it around the house every day, and like he's got these, yeah, this like dog headband on, and oh man, it's <laughs> it's hilarious. It totally backfired. But like, um, yeah. So we're we're continuing to iterate, and um, one thing that I'm really excited about trying out is my older son. When when I don't know when they reach a certain age, I'm not sure what that age is, is to pay them their allowance in cash mm-hmm. and then also start buying shares of stock for them. And so they can help look at the different companies and try to pick out uh, what, um, you know, what company they want to invest in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of like a fun way to learn the stock market and learn about investing and compounding. And right. so um, that's something that I'm really excited to introduce. But uh, at, so far, we haven't. Um, they're, they're just not at that level yet. They're yeah. still at the level of like counting, you know, cents versus dollars and, right. you know, figuring out. Yeah. You mentioned are. that, uh, that one of them is more excited to get coins than dollars. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's, it's, it's much better to have 300 cents than it is to have $3 right yes. now. That's interesting. So yeah. It weighs more. It takes up more space. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. It must, it must be worth more money. Yes. Um, do they get a sense of the difference between that, that, that saving is paying themselves first situation or is it still pretty early for them? I don't think they get it yet, but mm-hmm. the hope is that like the habit will be there and they won't even think about it, you know, in the future, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't think they, they're grokking that. Yet. Yeah, that's fine. So still a good habit to get really nice and young. So that's good. Yeah. Totally. Um, and then I guess what kinds of goals now, and we've talked about uh, the spreadsheets that you have, um, uh, what sorts of goals do you have long-term for, I guess, what you're wanting to do with, your money, your time and all of that. Yeah. So personally, I, um, I really want freedom over my time. And so I, 
I really, really enjoy working. I am, you know, uh, probably a workaholic, but that's because I really enjoy what I do. And so I don't ever foresee myself like officially retiring from anything. Mm -hmm. Um, but the concept of retiring early in, in so much as that I have more freedom over my time and I can choose what I want to work on and when I want to work on it. Um, that is really, really intriguing to me. Mm -hmm. And so one of my goals is to over the next, you know, few years to decrease the amount of time that I'm spending working for a dollar for an hour, you know, like, um, trading, trading my time directly for money and focusing more on longer term investment, side projects, content, you know, creating, um, you know, anything that provides some sort of residual income. So we have, um, we do have an investment property. And so I look at that as one example of that is like, you're building equity, you're kind of, you have some stream of income through that. Uh, and so what I would love to be is in a position where I, we've built one or many different, you know, maybe SaaS products or content products that are generating revenue and to the point where we can replace our, our day job income. Right. And then sort of work on what we want to work on. But I think we're, we're a ways off from that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, still, still super early days, but I think that's, um, that is what's most exciting for me. Um, I think that's what we enjoy about listening to those accountability podcasts too, is that it's typically examples of people building things that are assets that can contribute income. Right. And so, yeah. You know, yes, there's the fun in building the thing and the challenge and the, you know, all the technical things that we get into. And, and, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't have a perfect picture of who our audience is for the show, but if, if you're not familiar, software as a service is the SaaS thing that, that, uh, CJ is mentioning is, you know, as a software developer, typically we're paid, uh, either salary or hourly rates. Um, but you're really only getting paid when you work versus if you build a product that has customers that pay you every month, you know, you're still going to be working. You may probably work more mm -hmm. than you did before. Yeah. Um, but you're able to make much more money because you're decoupling the amount of money that you're making from the time that you're putting into it. Uh, there are some SaaS, you know, co companies that are run by one or two people that are making hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars uh, a month, a year, whatever it might be. It really depends on what kind of lifestyle you want to build and what kind of company you want to build. Uh, and really, if you just hit that right, you know, vein of the right time, the right place, uh, and the right thing for what people are looking for. Um, and then for non-developers, this is also takes place in the form of books and content and mm -hmm. classes and all these things where maybe you are really good at teaching and you've been used to trading time for money. Mm -hmm. But creating an online course decouples that and you can publish that and focus on, you know, just the marketing around it. And you don't have to teach the class over and over and over again. Uh, you know, I really enjoy teaching programming and just like seeing light bulbs go off in people's heads when they start to pick up things. But it can be pretty exhausting because typically the same question gets asked by every student. Um, and so coming out of the video for that just seems like the right way to, to you know, scale that. Uh, and then you're also not limited to physical location, right? You can teach people how to program anywhere in the world at that point. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people aspired to do the whole like Chiang Mai digital nomad type yeah. situation, which is great if that's what you're looking for. But it can mean that you can just literally be, you know, you're not only removing your time from how you make money but also location uh and so you can be anywhere you can work anywhere uh and i think that is pretty attractive and um uh, i i have to start to think about that as well in terms of like 
what do I want to build, uh, you know, after I get out of that right now, it's like focused on income. Yeah. I would love if I had something that was decoupled from time, but mm-hmm. right now we have time. So let's, let's use it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, so that's, it sounds like, uh, all good goals. Totally. Yeah. I think I'm curious what you're like, you, you have this like immediate goal of getting mm-hmm. out of debt. Have you thought about like what's after that and like how long after that goal is reached that you might yeah, I feel like the the goals that make the most sense in my head right now are a little bit around uh, getting caught up. Um, and I, I don't know if feeling behind is the right way to d- describe it, but, you know, I haven't been contributing to retirement all these years and because I've been paying off credit cards. And, uh, and so getting caught up in that sense is like figuring out what those next milestones would be. Mm-hmm. I think in every finance book, like pay off the debt is the first step. And yeah. then the, like the whole rest of the book is like, unfortunately not as applicable to me mm-hmm. because you need to be done with that first step because I could start investing, but investing right now, any gains I receive in the market are going to be washed out by interest from mm-hmm. credit cards, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that we have learned in all these episodes has been that saving before paying off credit cards is actually important mm-hmm. to prevent you from sliding back into credit card debt. And so I've been focused on that as well. But uh, I do have shared as a shared goal, uh, very similar to you in that I would like to build and work on a product that, uh, you know, kind of one product instead of 10 clients, Mm -hmm. a product that I have built uh, Mm -hmm. and that I have a lot of love around. And it seems like a lot of people in the finance uh, and personal, you know, this personal finance community, almost everyone like writes books Mm -hmm. uh, or does podcasts like (laughs) we're doing now. Um, But I think that there's also an opportunity around software that helps people get out of debt, build wealth. Um, things that are better than Mint. I think Mint is good for what it does, but it's not good at helping you to build wealth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good at tracking what you did and what you spent money on. And uh, it's good at trying to get you to sign up for a certain credit card and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, in some in some of these things, it should be pretty easy to know if you're paying yourself first and build software that like encourages that mm-hmm. or building software that helps you to make sure that you have all those check boxes marked, which I think would be really rewarding and a kind of natural um, place to grow from this podcast too, which is, mm-hmm. you know, learning and getting out of debt side by side and then building the tools around that as well. So, um, so we'll see how that goes. But yeah, you got to <laughs> read all the books from the finance wizards and then synthesize them into, into some technical product. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be pretty powerful. Um, you know, whether or not that's something that people would pay for, that's one of those things where it's like, does that fall into an essential versus non-essential? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> A lot of people, you know, that are good at, at saving money don't necessarily want to part with their money for those kinds of things. And so, you know, if you can do it in a spreadsheet, that's great. I've been doing it in a spreadsheet, but there's a lot of inefficiencies and things that I could see, like, you know, even recommendations. It's like there's machine learning is being used every day to get us to spend money, Mm -hmm. right? Ads and figuring out how we can, you know, get people tricked to sign up for this card or whatever Mm -hmm. this offer is. And if we use that same amount of effort to help people get out of debt and build wealth, I think that would be, you know, just generally better for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if that's the case, then there's probably money for me to make somewhere along the line in a, in a honest way, instead of, you know, making companies that people don't trust and mm-hmm. don't feel good working with. Mm-hmm. Totally. So, which I kind of feel like is what people feel about with mint. And some of these is that, you know, you don't necessarily know what data they're collecting on you and where they're selling it and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So, Totally. Yeah. 
Do it, man. So we'll see. Um, so those are some of my long-term goals. But uh, if you uh, manage your own finances and your family uh, differently than CJ and want to jump on the show, we'd love to hear from you. Um, definitely looking for guests um, just to share your perspective. Uh, if there's a part of that USA Today article that really struck a chord with you, I'd love to talk about that. Uh, we're going to continue doing guests uh, and you know having these different perspectives on money. There really is no one way to do all of this. And so just collecting this info so that you can just, you know, distill it and figure out your own path is really important to me. Uh, And uh, I'm going to continue to do this show weekly, uh, mostly because, you know, it makes me pay attention to what's going on on a week by week basis. Uh, And I hope you are continuing to enjoy it. Uh, If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out at, at how you spend uh, on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, if you want to send us an email, you can do so at, at uh, howyouspend at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, is there anything you want to wrap the show with, CJ? No, yeah. Um, thanks for having me on. This yeah. is a uh, good times. Definitely. Thanks for being here. And we'll see you next week for episode 27. See ya. See ya. Music in this episode from Blue Dot Sessions.